PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Welcome to the CrakeCast from Physical Therapy. Each month, PTJ Editor-in-Chief Dr. Rebecca Crake offers her take on the articles appearing in this month's PTJ. Here is Rebecca Craig. Hello, this is Rebecca Craig, Editor-in-Chief of Physical Therapy. Welcome to June. June is the time when lots of people get married, at least in the United States. It's also an important time for graduation. Congratulations to all the graduates. Stay passionate. Keep your enthusiasm. This is an incredible new world that you're all entering. In June, the American Physical Therapy Association holds its annual conference, and it will be in Tampa, Florida this year. There are two sessions that are hosted by the journal. One is a discussion to honor Jules Rothstein. This year's topic is about medical homes. I really encourage you to attend if you're going to be at the meeting. It will be held on Friday from 1 to 3. The other is Patricia Otaki. One of the editorial board members from the journal will be holding the Manuscript Cafe. So if you have questions about publication in our journal, please attend that. That will be Thursday from 8 to 10. All right, so enjoy the conference. June reminds me that, again, in the United States, we're waiting for the Supreme Court decision about the individual mandate related to the Affordable Care Act. So the Supreme Court will decide whether or not it is constitutional or unconstitutional to require every American to have health care insurance. So stay tuned for that as well. Now on to the journal. The first paper is a randomized control trial by Egan et al. from Oslo, Norway. The title of the paper is Can Supervised Group Exercises, Including Ergonomic Advice, Reduce the Prevalence and Severity of Low Back Pain and Pelvic Girdle Pain in Pregnancy? This is a really exciting and, I believe, timely topic. You know that it's not uncommon for women who are pregnant to have either low back pain or pelvic girdle pain. And so the attempt by these investigators was to be proactive, provide an exercise program to prevent the development of that pain. It's a very lovely sample size. 257 pregnant women were randomized into the study, and 103 finished the training group and 107 finished the control group. So I think this was excellent retention in the study. I really encourage you to read this paper carefully for a number of reasons. First of all, what would you do in terms of designing an exercise program to prevent low back pain or pelvic girdle pain in a pregnant woman? What would be the basis of that prescription? Do you think group exercise is ideal or would an individual intervention be more successful? Several of these questions were addressed by the authors in the discussion. So please look at the study. I do think it's an extremely important area for us to investigate. And again, the authors offer a good discussion for you to consider. The next study is by Stephen Page and colleagues in the United States. They're looking at clinically important differences for the upper extremity Fugelmeyer scale. For those of you who don't know that scale, it's a really well-respected impairment-based assessment tool that's used commonly in experimental studies in persons with stroke, but has also gained traction in some clinics around the world. 
but the purpose of this report was to see whether they could determine what the clinically important differences were in the Fugelmeyer scale for the upper extremity. And the bottom line for this study is yes, they could. And we do need a clinically important difference for the Fugelmeyer scale. So I thank the authors for this very important work. The next study is by Conrad et al. from Germany. It looks at persons with multiple sclerosis. And as many of you know, physical therapists, we have not done a lot of research in the area of multiple sclerosis. There's been recent work that's exciting, and I'm delighted to see this paper is contributing to our body of knowledge. So the intent of this paper was to validate a comprehensive core set for multiple sclerosis using ICF categories. So I think it's the beginning of something big, and I thank them for presenting it in our journal. The next paper is by Callahan and colleagues from the United Kingdom. This is a really interesting study. It's a very small sample of eight healthy male volunteers. The authors looked at the effects of patellar taping on brain activity, all right? So they basically asked volunteers to go into a magnet and perform two different movements with and without taping to see whether or not the imaging, the MRI, changed with the presence of the tape. We're really excited about looking at something like teletaping, which one could look at as purely mechanical and not having an effect on the nervous system, and the effect of teletaping on the nervous system's activity. The next paper is led by Grandjean from Montreal, Canada. The dilemma that these authors present is in patients with quadriplegia, How are you going to be able to assess whether they have high motor imagery ability? So basically what they did was they looked at electrodermal responses above and below the level of the injury. And what the authors concluded is that the electrodermal response above the level of the lesion appears to be a reliable index to assess motor imagery ability. So I think that's an interesting contribution to our literature. The next paper is by de Kegel et al. from Ghent University in Belgium, and the title is Ghent Developmental Balance Test. The authors developed a new tool to evaluate balance performance in children up to the age of five. The paper involved examining 144 children twice to look at the inter-rater and intra-rater reliability of this test. So I commend the authors on the development of their tool and their careful reliability testing and examination of validity. So thank you. This is a great beginning. The next paper is a technical report, and the title is Quantitative Paraspinal Muscle Measurements. The authors, who are from the University of Alberta in Canada, looked at paraspinal muscles using two different kinds of software The reason that one would be interested in characterizing paraspinal muscles is certainly related to low back pain, for example, the effect of exercise on changing what appears to be asymmetries. And I have to remind you that we're talking about both the multifidus and the erector spinae in this study. So they used 30 individuals who were randomly selected from a cohort of patients with various low back conditions. And in these individuals, they did lumbar magnetic resonance imaging. So again, I encourage you to look at this study. It offers a nice 
quantitative tool to characterize problems in persons with low back pain and then to examine the effect of intervention. The final paper in this month's issue is inspiratory muscle training, but it's not inspiratory muscle training in an adult with COPD, for example. Rather, it is in a newborn with anoxia who is chronically ventilated. This was a very interesting case report. The child was on mechanical ventilation for eight months with 4,450 hours of mechanical ventilation, and the physical therapist and colleagues who are from the University of Franca in Brazil followed this case. So they described respiratory muscle training to successfully wean this infant from mechanical ventilation. So I encourage you to read this paper. I think it has very important implications for children who are chronically ventilated, and the authors do encourage additional work to be done because this is only a case report. So I hope you'll find something interesting in this month's issue of the journal. I would like to end by talking to you about a case report that was presented in February, and the title of the paper was Emergence of Delayed Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Symptoms Related to Sexual Trauma by Dunlavey and Slowick. It's found on page 339 to 351 in the journal. This case report has led to several responses. I encourage you to go to the PT Journal website and pull up this February article and then look at the responses. So if you are interested in responding to any of the articles that we have in the journal, go to the website. There's a rapid response. You can quickly enter a response, and often the authors are interested in responding back. So it's a wonderful way to begin dialogue that others can share. So have a great month. I look forward to seeing you all for the next issue. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for Dr. Craig, email ptj at apta.org and be sure to include CraigCast in the subject line. This is a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net.